Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Center. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob Biswell. We thank you that you reign and you rule. We thank you, Father, that in you there is no shadow of turning. There's nothing hidden about you. And we thank you, Father, that you've revealed yourself to us. And we thank you, Father, this morning that we might catch another glimpse of you. That, Father, we would understand more fully your goodness. We would understand more fully your grace. And we would embrace the fullness of who you are this morning, God. We glorify you, Jesus, in this place. Amen. You can be seated. Greg, if I could get a little bit more in the monitors, that would be awesome. Hallelujah. How many of you are excited to be in the house of God this morning? If you will, turn in your Bible to Exodus chapter 3. That's where we're going to be this morning. Exodus chapter 3, uh, starting verse 7. But I want to just kind of give a recap on where we've been for the past few weeks. We've been talking about regaining faith. How many of you have, have been in those moments where you lost faith over a matter? Because of disappointment. How many of you might currently be in that place where you're having to regain your faith stance? And so we've been looking at some keys to faith and kind of in summary as we wrap up kind of this series on faith. The way that God will will ignite our weakened faith is that he will he will stimulate our faith and, and amplify it. He'll bring something along that we talked about called faith extenders, whether that's a prophetic word, whether that's maybe a picture, maybe it's a dream, maybe it's a scripture, but he will bring something along into our lives uh, that will cause our faith to be amplified. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning. And then last week, we examined the importance of the mind in regards to faith. How you think is important. That what we dwell on, you know, whatever's pure, whatever's holy, whatever is righteous, these things we should dwell on. And that's what we talked about last week. And the realization that the war we often face in our lives concerning faith is in our mind. That it actually has little to do with the outside circumstances. It has to do with how we perceive our circumstances. And that if we can change the way we think by the renewing of our mind, getting in the Word of God and getting the Word of God in us, that it will transform our thinking, that if we live by that principle, then we begin to view our circumstances differently. That's why Paul could praise in prison. It's why those who were being persecuted, it's why our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan who are, who are under immense persecution can gather together in church, and yet people in America can't gather because of a little COVID. Now, now I, I think COVID's real. I've had friends die of COVID. But, but we have people around the world who are dying for their faith, and we have those in America who are afraid to go to church. And, and we've got to have a shift concerning our faith. COVID is real. Okay, I've had it. We know people who've died of it. It's real. So I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize the reality of what people are facing with COVID. But what I am saying is that if we can't rise up in faith, and there it went. Wow. It's going to be a fun Sunday, y'all. This is what happens when I try to have props. But if, if we cannot face the lack of faith that we have, how will we persevere when real persecution comes? And so we've got to have a faith stance. And that's what we're talking about. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 is where we're going to be. And the Lord said, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people 
who were in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I'm aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cries of the son of Israel have come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring out my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. And I thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it's active, it's living, and it, it, it separates. And Father, I thank you this morning that we might encounter your word in a fresh way. That, Father, we might regain our faith this morning and take a greater faith stance in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we've got Moses. And this once great prince of Egypt is now tending sheep on the backside of the desert. And, and that, from an Egyptian standpoint, was the lowest service in society. Being a shepherd was, was, was low class. There, there was no importance in it. And here is this great prince who is now on the backside of the desert in one of the lowest forms of occupation. So it appears that Moses is completely humbled. And in his humility, he has very little faith, little expectation for a different life. He's left behind the grandeur of the palace. He's living in the desert. He's raising sheep. He's tending the sheep. He's raising his little family. And for him, that's enough. He's, he's content there. And he's in this position because of the very people God is asking him to deliver. He's in this position because of the very people that God is asking him to deliver. He is set up for his destiny. And God speaks to him, shows up, burning bush experience. It's wonderful, it's amazing, and of course Moses jumps at the opportunity. No, he doesn't. No, he's like, wait a second. Moses says to God in verse 11, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And this argument ensues, and there's this commission. And Moses says in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For, may, for they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. He simply has no faith. He is full of doubt. He has uh, uh, no expectation, and especially of his ability. And so God has a challenge because Moses has been chosen for the, God, for the job. God then has to work with his lack of faith. How many of us have ever been in the place of lack of faith? Aren't we thankful that God works with us in our lack of faith? And so God then has to work with him in that. And it's interesting for us because, you see, when, when God has a job or a calling for us, he will equip us. God will not send you out. And the first arena of equipping is that God increases your faith to rise to the challenge he places before you. God will equip you in the faith place first. God will cause faith to arise on the, on the inside of you. And I want you to understand this clearly this morning, that God will never ask you or I to do a job that He is not prepared to equip you for. There is nothing you will face in the first area that He equips is your place of faith. And so Moses is confessing his doubt and fear. And God does a remarkable thing. Verse 2 of chapter 4, The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A staff. Then he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. 
And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Jump down to verse 17. You shall take in your hand this staff with which you will perform the signs. Here it is. Here's the classic faith extender. God, through the staff of Moses, performs miracles for Moses to see and that Moses would become very much a part of. It was a staff that he was commanded on numerous occasions to use to further perform miracles. He used the staff to turn the water into blood. He used the staff to bring thunder, hail, and fire from the sky. He used the staff to part the Red Sea. And so every time Moses would take the staff in his hand, he would be reminded of the miracles God had performed through him. He'd wake up in the mornings, take his staff in his hand, and reminded again of the miracles of God. During the day, doing his duties, always carrying the staff as a constant reminder of the miracles of God. Finally, at nighttime, placing that staff beside his bed, reminded of the miracles of God. And the question that God is posing to us this morning is, what is in your hand? See, I think we often underestimate what God has already given us. What we already have in our hand is what God wants to use to do the very miracles that you're crying out for. And so for Moses, who was on the backside of a desert, just with his little staff in his hand, hitting sheep, getting sheep to do what they needed to do, God was going to use that very thing to be the signpost of miracles for his people. And I think too often we're carrying around our own staff underestimating what God could do through it. Those gifts, those talents, those God-given abilities that you're carrying around that you've underestimated, oh, that's just my old staff. That, that's, that's just that. Made all the more powerful given that the staff what had, had been simply used as a shepherd's crook was now a miracle-working staff. And so the staff is a reminder, and each of us have our own staffs. If we would just look at what we carry in our own hands. For we all carry our own past miracles. We could go around this room this morning and testify of the miracles that we each have individually seen. Miracles that remind us of God's faithfulness to us in times of need. Past victories where God has come through us. Perhaps for some of you, the miracle was some financial miracle that God brought when you had a need. We can hear of testimonies this morning. I could go around this room and I could tell of testimonies that I know that have happened just in the last few weeks. Of miracles that God has done. Maybe it was some healing or deliverance that changed your life. I mean, last November I was healed after years of migraines. Debilitating migraines. It's on my staff. See, in those days... What would happen when they would carry their staff, and I love this, I I was researching what they would do, is that they would begin to put marks on their staff of the miracles. Little insignias. So whenever they picked it up, they could go, oh, I remember when God healed me of migraines. I remember when when God parted the Red Sea. I, I remember when God brought us into the land flowing with milk and honey. Now, Moses couldn't have remembered that. He never made it. But you get the picture. And I think too often we walk around carrying a reminder of what God has done. We forget to look at it. 
We become too familiar with the staff that we carry. We, come, we, we become too familiar because we're looking for the next miracle. We're looking for the next breakthrough that we forget what God has already done. And if God has already done it, it sets a precedent that if He did it once, He can do it again. And God wants us to regain that faith stance this morning. He wants to do it with what you've already had. See, I think sometimes we think, well, if I just see the miracle, then I'll believe. If I can just see the next breakthrough, then I'll believe. And we forget of all the miracles that God has already brought us through. And when we remember the miracles that God has already brought us through, it actually gives us faith to actually see the miracle. See, some of us are looking for faith for a miracle when you've already got faith on the inside of you. Faith is the person of Jesus. Faith is found in Him. He's the author, which means He starts faith, and He's the finisher. Maybe it was a job that you, you got even though better qualified people had applied. But today you can look back and realize that God was faithful. Performing a wonderful miracle for your life. And so our God, who is unchanging and ever faithful, will once again perform your needed miracle today. And with that remembrance of God's work in your past, your faith is once again ignited and requickened and extended to believe God for His miraculous intervention. Because it's all about perspective. Yes, Moses faced numerous challenges to his faith as he began leading the children of Israel. And yet there would have been many times he would have questioned the validity of the call. Yet all he had to do was once again lay hold of that staff. And as soon as his hands would touch it, his mind would review of the past victories. God, I remember when. I do that often for myself. It is one of, of my, my things that I do in my own devotional time is I will recall the miracles. And they bring faith to believe again. I'll recall the miracles of when God raised people from the dead through my hands in Uganda. God, if you can raise people from the dead in Uganda, you can raise people from the dead here. I'll, I'll remind myself of the little girl in Mexico who, who had no arm and God regrew her arm right before my very eyes. And so when I'm faced with uncertainties and when I'm faced with miracles that haven't yet happened, I can say, God, you did it once, you'll do it again. I couldn't have done it. I couldn't heal a headache on a fly to quote Jack Coe. But God can. And so... When I'm facing disappointment, when I'm facing things that, that I don't know how to do, I remind myself of the miracles. When finally the children of Israel had crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land, God told them to do a strange thing. He told them to place stones behind them, stones of remembrance that they could look back on to remember the wonderful miracles performed to get them out of slavery. One of my favorite books is, is the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I, and I love the movie, and I, and I feel like they, they did a good job staying as close as they could to, to the book. But one of my favorite scenes in the movie is, is towards the end of the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, spoiler alert. But towards the end of the movie, uh, the, the Pevensey kids, they're, they're all grown up. They're, they're now these kings and queens, and, and they're riding past, and they, they pass the lamppost. And Lucy says, I remember that. And all of a sudden, this memory... And they become familiar again with what happened. And then they come out of the wardrobe and then, you know, every child's dream dies because they can't get back in. But there was something that happened because there was a signpost. There was a memory that was triggered. For the children of Israel, when they built those stones, it was to be a remembrance place that when they'd pass by, oh yeah, 
That's where God brought us into the land flowing with milk and honey. That's where that happened. And for generations, when their children would pass by, they'd go, huh, that's where mom and dad crossed over. That's where grandma and grandpa crossed over. And so it should be for the church that we would have signposts in our lives and memories, staffs in our hands that we could go, oh, that's when it happened. That's when everything changed. That's when everything shifted. That, that's why they used to have altars in the church. Those old wooden altars, because it was a reminder of where God had encountered people. It was a reminder that that's where God had come through for his people. And I think too often we don't remind ourselves enough of the miracles that God has done. God has given us all our own memorial stones, our own staffs of remembrance. And one of the great keys to faith is to take time to rehearse those past victories, the past miracles, the past encounters with God. And in prayer, you know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is when David returns to Gilgal and everything had been wiped out. And his men are ready to kill him. And it says he turned aside and he strengthened himself in the Lord. And I've often said, I don't know what he said to the Lord in that moment. But I imagine it probably looked like, God, I remember Goliath. God, I remember the lion, the bear. I remember this victory and that victory. And and God, these people, they want to kill me. But God, for your name's sake, give me direction that we may go and do what you tell us to do because I know that you'll lead me into victory. And then he turns aside and he says, let's go get what belongs to us. The second aspect to this staff is the aspect with the rod and the miracle came the promise of God that God would be with Moses. There's two keys for faith here. Remembrance of the past victories but also the affirmation of the previous promises of God into your heart. The book of prophecies, the personal revelation, the dreams received. It's all important to reiterate God's word into your heart. What follows almost seems painfully simple and obvious, yet so powerful to our faith. We all need to spend time remembering what God has done for us in the past. It involves strong praise as we remember these victories. The Bible affirms that God inhabits the praises of His people. See, when we begin to praise, it creates a space for God to inhabit. Praise creates an atmosphere for God to inhabit. So when I begin to praise, I begin to welcome in the presence of God. The Bible declares that in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. And Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. So when I get into the presence of the Lord, I become strong. My praise becomes a seat for the presence of the Lord. So if I'm lacking anything, I can get into praise. I can get into worship. And then God begins to inhabit. And I begin to become strong. I begin to experience the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord becomes my strength. And all of a sudden I have weapons to begin to war with. I begin to be able to fight my battles that I couldn't fight previously. Because it's only through the strength of the Lord. It's only through the strength of the Lord. I can't fight in my own strength. But where I'm weak, all His strength is perfected. Where I'm weak, His strength is put on display, one translation says. And so when I begin to praise, I begin to create space and and my praise becomes a weapon. And it's in the remembering of the victories. It's in the remembering of that that my praise begins to take shape and I can begin to fight my battles again. 
and I can begin to believe God again because praise is one of the greatest weapons that we as believers have. Once an awareness of His nearness comes, quickly our attitude begins to change. God is here is a great faith builder. And praise for past, for past promises is the second thing. Same thing as above, but faith is very much a partner to our confession. Turning your Bible to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. And this is where we're going to begin to close this morning. And I'm not a lying preacher. When I say I'm going to close, I mean it. I don't have multiple closes. Mark chapter 11, uh, jump down to verse 20. And as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered. And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them. They will be granted to you. Faith is very much a partner to our confession. God is wanting us to change our confession. To begin to speak in agreement with His Word. He wants to change the way you think about what you carry. For some of you, you've been looking at your staff. You've been looking at at your gifts and you've just, oh, I don't have any. Moses had a stuttering problem. He had killed the man and he hung out with sheep all the time. In the natural, it didn't look like he had much. God said, what's that in your hand? That very thing in your hand I will use to perform miracles to affirm that I'm with you. God wants to do that for you this morning. He wants to change your perspective that you would begin to see what's in your hand. And with that very thing, You could stretch it out and begin to see miracles. And when you're in the moment, when you're in the moment where you can't remember how to fight, you're in the moment where you feel like, I'm not getting victory. Begin to look at what's in your hand. Begin to remind yourself, oh, that notch right there. That's where God saved me. That's where God delivered me. Oh, that notch right there. That's where God healed me. And that notch, that's when we had no money and God showed up. And that, that notch right there, that's where, that's where my brother got saved. And, and that notch right there, that's where he changed everything. And that notch up there, that, that's when I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And you begin to remind yourself. And in reminding yourself of the testimony. The Bible says in Revelation, it says the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. When you begin to testify of what he's done, it begins to become a prophetic word for your situation. This morning, the Lord wants to begin to remind you of what he's done in your life. Will you stand this morning? I try not to do this sometimes but because I, I don't like to freak people out who haven't been here before. But all throughout my message, the Lord began to speak to me about 
about the two of you. Do you mind if I, if I prophesy over you this morning? Felt the Lord say that you've been in a valley season of transition. And that in this valley season, you've been in a tension between two worlds. One where you, you were familiar with everything and, and you thought you had a grasp on what life was. And then transition came and you're seeing a new mountain, but you're not sure how to climb it. And you're not sure how to ascend this hill because what the, the tools that you had in the last season aren't familiar anymore. And the Lord says that I'm going to begin to download to you strategy and vision for a new season on how to ascend the new mountain. You're much like Joshua and Caleb who have declared, give me my mountain because where we were before, we can't live there anymore. You're in this transition season. In this valley season, people have misunderstood your transition. And they've tried to assign labels to your transition. But the Lord says, I'm in it and I'm going to move you. And I'm going to bring you up the new mountain. And I'm going to give you strength for it. And I'm going to give you clarity of mind for it. Because there's been a swirling around you. But the Lord says it is a new season for a new mountain. And you will ascend the hill of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. I thank you, Father, that in seasons of difficulty and in seasons where we lack faith, we can be reminded of what you've done. And Father, I pray this morning that for every person who is lacking faith this morning, that Father, you would infuse them with hope. You would infuse them with hope. If you're here this morning, you've never made a decision for Christ. You've never chosen to follow Jesus this morning. It's the greatest decision of the human life is to make Jesus Lord. A couple things you have to do. You have to repent of your sin. And in repenting of your sin, in repenting of your sin, you make a transition into a new season. A season of following Jesus. So this morning, if you've never made that decision, I want you to pray with me this morning. Jesus, I repent of my sin. And I thank you for your goodness. I pray this morning you would transform me. Make me new. That I might follow you fully. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Or visit www dot equipping center dot us.